Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Matthew 13, 1 through 3. We probably have multiple kinds of people listening to this podcast, and some people listening probably have some experience with farming. Uh, and even beyond just, you know, I, I did a garden once, but some real legit farming with, you know, uh, planting, uh, tilling the ground, reaping a harvest. And then there's a lot of people listening that don't really have experience with farming. And we have to admit our culture and the makeup of people listening to this podcast, there is a difference between us and uh, the time of Christ. And the listeners to Jesus, they would have been as a whole much more familiar with the imagery of the harvest. But that's where, even though we might not all have as much experience because most of us have got our food for our lives from the grocery store as opposed to something that we grew, uh, we can still understand Uh, These images, these images we see of the harvest are not hard to understand, but I want us to notice how they are a theme and a theme that we are called to participate in. And that theme is going to come up again as we get into the parables of Jesus today in, in really the first half of Matthew 13. And so it describes Jesus teaching, even going out into a boat, and there's a place along the Sea of Galilee known as the Cove of the Sower, where, uh, you know, even just the acoustics fit, where if somebody's down by the ocean, you can hear very well, as long as there's not cars driving uh, on the road that kind of runs through this cove in modern times, but you can get a sense of how this was possible. And Jesus starts here with the parable of the sower. Now, if you've read the Bible, uh, you're you're probably familiar with this parable. It talks about the sower going out to sow, and there's four kinds of soil. There is the path where the birds come and devour. There's the rocky ground where there's not much soil and it springs up, uh, but then dies since there is no depth. uh, When the sun rises. And then there's the seed that's amongst the thorns and the thorns choke out um, the crops. And then there's the good soil, which produces grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. And then we'll get to the explanation in uh, just a minute. But first we get to Jesus describing the purpose of parables because the disciples say, why do you speak to them in parables? And let's look at what Jesus says. And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So it would seem to be that that parables aren't just a one-for-one correlation to what you would think of as a, a modern sermon illustration. If you think of your pastor, there's probably illustrations that he uses to try to explain the text. It seems here that parables, part of the purpose is to reveal truth to believers. 
But it seems that also part of it is to conceal truth from unbelievers. Again, think of verse 12, for the, to the one who has more will be given and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Uh, so even one commentator talked about at least one of the functions of parables is to conceal the truth or at the very least to present it in a veiled way. And then you get this long quote from Isaiah six, uh, kind of, uh, pointing that out, uh, and again, as Matthew loves to do, quoting from the Old Testament. And so we, we think through, that tells us a lot about uh, Jesus's purposes then for why he spoke in parables. But consider this from verse 16 and 17. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And so one of the applications I want to encourage you to to think through from the reading today is to really wonder and be grateful for the gift of understanding. And really, this is on a couple levels. I mean, notice back in verse 11 where it says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And and I want you to be grateful in a couple senses. In the first, especially in verses 16 and 17, I think Jesus is speaking chronologically. I I, I think you should be grateful uh, that you live when you live, that you have the whole canon of scripture. That's a big part of what Jesus is saying here. You guys are blessed. Uh, for them to to see Christ, to live with Christ, we are blessed to live in this era where we we see the whole of Scripture and we can understand these parables in light of all of Scripture. Is that ever something you stop and think about? Is that ever something that you thank God for? that you live when you do. That's something I think if we think about Jesus's words here, we should do. Another level of this is um, I think we should be grateful again that we have been given understanding. And again, if you step back at the whole of scripture, you do see this idea that those that don't believe are blind. And again, we get into issues of God's sovereignty and human responsibility because we see scripture and and even Jesus speak of it where he'll rebuke people for their unbelief and hold them responsible that they should believe. But also even Jesus will admit, well, well you can't believe because you're, you're blind. Um, and that's where the Bible is much more comfortable putting those things side by side than often we are. And we, we need to get better at taking the Bible at its word. But if you do understand the truth of the gospel, you, you should be humble about that. It's not because you were so smart and you were so special. No, God has given you understanding. God has opened your eyes. So I think you should approach the parables even with a sense of humility uh, and really the whole Christian life. Uh, none of us is a Christian should be beating our chest and, and pumping ourselves up and saying, look at me, look at what I have done. No, we should be very humble and grateful to the God who has given us salvation and open up, opened up our eyes to see. Uh, but then let's get into more of the parable of the sower and its explanation. Uh, we'll, we'll see the parable of the weeds at the end of the passage, but we'll probably get more into that tomorrow when we get into the explanation of it. 
But when you think through the parable of the sower explained, again, these explanations are very simple. And I would say if you have done any level of ministry or been a Christian for any length of time, you look at each of these responses and you're like, oh, yeah, I know. Like I've, I've seen all of this because you see people that they just don't respond to the gospel at all. And they don't even seem to be grasping what, what is being said. There's no interest. There's no openness to it. Yeah, that's the seed on the path. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown, right? And nothing really takes root. And then you've seen people that, whoa, yes, this is awesome. This is great. And uh, as soon as it gets hard, right, as soon as there's trials or persecution, pfft, they're gone. Uh, I mean, working in youth ministry for so many years, I mean, you would see this sometimes at summer camp, boom, big profession of faith. And l- literally less than one or two weeks later, pff, that person is is gone. And then it talks about the thorns, which it identifies as the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches that choke out the word. And you see that all the time as well. And then you see the good soil, uh, salvation that then bears fruit in varying degrees, but it all bears fruit. And we see that. And so what Jesus teaches here, he was teaching to his audience, but there's not really, I don't think, a cultural limitation to these applications of the parable of the sower. Because like I've said, if you've been a Christian or if you've done any level of ministry, you've probably seen all of these things. So the things that Jesus are saying here are are always true and amazingly have spread uh, these principles across time, across cultures, and all over the world. So a couple things as we think through the parable of the sower, hey, what, what do I do with this? One thing I would encourage you is, hey, you should participate in the harvest. And, and that's not explicitly said in this parable, but let's just remember it was only a few chapters ago where Jesus was instructing his disciples to pray earnestly to send more laborers out into the harvest. So when we read the parable of the sower, we, I hope, are reading something that really engages our hearts in a way that we're saying, yes, that's what I'm doing. That's what I want to be a part of. And that's what I'm praying that God raises up more workers for. So you should participate in the harvest. You should sow the seed of the word of God and the word of the kingdom of Christ, telling people about King Jesus and calling them to repentance. Um, But the other thing that I want us to encourage uh, to apply from this passage is really to beware the things that could choke out life. We are warned here about tribulation and persecution and how that can scorch people that have no roots and they fall away. And we read about what it calls the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. And I want to encourage you to beware of these things for yourself and for the people around you. Um, You need to beware. You need to read this and understand, hey, I'm going to experience trials and persecution. Am I ready for that? Are my roots really down deep? Do I really believe what I say I believe? This would be a good thing to examine. We also need to beware, hey, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches will likely be a temptation on some level to all of us. Again, that may look different for different people. How exactly the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches uh, comes into our lives. But we all need to beware of those things that they want to choke out the faith in our hearts. 
And we should be wary, the people around us, the people in our churches, they're going to be facing those same things. We should seek to help people be rooted in their faith so they're ready for trials and for persecution. And we should be, as it says in Hebrews, exhorting one another every day so that our hearts aren't hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. One of the best ways to make sure that the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches are not choking out your faith is being engaged in strong Christian community, which will perpetually focus us on the eternal and on what matters most. And so that's where you need to be a part of that community through the local church because you will benefit from it, but also hopefully you will benefit and encourage others in that as well. So as we think through this imagery that maybe you're thinking, oh yeah, I can't wait to grow whatever I'm growing this year, or you've never farmed a day in your life. I think it's imagery we can all understand. And let's wonder at the gift of understanding that has been given to us by God. Let's participate in the harvest and let's beware the things that can choke out life. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.